you know, I think I, I always think it's interesting. It's ironic that you say, oh, well, people are now spending 120 euros a year, whereas on average before streaming, they would spend uh, maybe 40 or 50 euros on, on buying whatever, three albums. Um, so, you know, that argument that, well, overall, people are spending more on music. But, um, of course, so many don't realize that it just doesn't reach the artist. Welcome to the Social Fabric podcast with me, Andreas Splendori, and this week my guest is Vivian Long. Vivian is a singer, songwriter, celloist and musician extraordinaire. She has a number of albums and singles to her name, as well as collaborating with different Irish artists over the years. The songs in this podcast have been shortened for rights reasons. You can find a full playlist on Spotify under Social Fabric. Please subscribe, share and review. It's the only way podcasts like this have a chance to survive. The program is also broadcast every week on Near FM and Flirt FM every Monday and Tuesday. The title tune is Alice by Lucky Bones. Can I call you up, oh Alice, on a Friday night? We could reminisce on old days and we could talk a while. Just sit and talk a while. We're all the same, we just do different things. And uh, some of us are more talented than others in certain areas, and uh, it's great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I wish I could play the cello, but I can't. So uh, I'd rather listen to your music, you know? But, but we need the presenters. Oh, do, do we need them? <laughs> I know, because especially now, so we're like, like if we start from there, actually, just let's start from there. Like with the COVID, I mean, what, what has it been like for you? But the last nine months, whatever it has been, I don't know, March 20th, whatever it is, nine months now. Um, yeah, I mean, life goes on. It's, I guess it's been disappointing. Um, I re- released an album, which I would have toured this year. And, um, and that all got washed away. And it's, I think it's hard to cover that, you know, because the day... No time that you can say anything is new, and it gets shorter and shorter as um, as time goes on. Things are are newer for a shorter time, so it's really hard to recover. You know, six months after release. Um. So I just, who knows? I'd really like to do that anyway next year, but overall, in general. Like, I think it was a really good time creatively because people couldn't play live and everyone was forced back into their own homes. <laughs> and, um, and so, you know, musicians and artists, well, what else were they going to do? But, you know, what they do best, which is be creative. And I think a lot of really good work has come out of that time. And But... um you know, good work needs to be heard. So, <laughs> so thanks for for supporting Irish musicians and and me and and all of us. <laughs> yeah, and it, look, it, it's as I say, I think it's important. It's, I think art is extremely important, and uh, sometimes it's not seen as such. You know, by politicians, you know, it's kind of the, the the forgotten bit. But we all go home and listen to music. We all go home and watch a movie. We all go home and do, you know, get get our kicks from art, whatever that art is. But yes. you say creativity, that, that interests me because when you, the lockdown, I understand that the creativity had more time to do things, but do you not, did you not miss the, the interaction to, to have that creativity? You know, when you wrote the album, when you released the album, um, where did you get that inspiration from? Um, well, I mean, when I was working on my album, it was very much a solo project anyway so I'm kind of used to that even though I really love working with other people but um, you know the album I wrote arranged recorded uh, everything so I, I worked with a sound engineer and then I had musicians different people 
instruments that I can't play and um, and add their parts. But, you know, overall it was very much a, a solo project. So yeah, I'm used to that. And um, yeah, I think that is a, a really difficult thing for musicians because, you know, so many of of us kind of, you know, work emerges through collaboration. Um, but then, you know, it's fine if you're you're a composer, then, you know, you just get on with it and, and um, write yourself. But, uh, you know, anyway, t Taylor still got people involved. <laughs> and, uh, but, yeah, what else was I going to say just about working people? Oh, I did a gig a few weeks ago. Oh, it was just so much fun working and meeting other musicians and talking with them from a distance. <laughs> um, and just to hear what they were doing my spirit so much just to, to have that one day which of course we weren't paid for because we're musicians I have to throw that in <laughs> but it didn't matter I think um, everyone was just in such form just to um, meet with like-minded people and uh, and talk about how had they got on for the last eight months well, last year, really. Yeah. Because I've been following, I mean, there's all sorts of different things going on at the moment, the arts. I mean, there was the the art grant, the arts grant that um, I just saw a good friend of mine there, Steve Wall, just put something up uh, a few hours ago about his views on the on the grants and how they were dished out. And, uh, yeah. and I was talking to somebody else um, that eventually ended up going into studio to record an album where he said but i haven't made money from an album in a long time and so even though i get to record an album but so what's what's your take on all of that on the grants and how well i think um i missed that boat um <laughs> i think it's great if if even one half of it at least um, if whoever got awards, at least they're not in debt and they can go into the studio, you know, with that weight off their mind. Um, you know, because like it's funny that the costs are still there. The cost of recording an album is still there. It's just the profit that's gone. Yeah. But I guess that's why so much music now is recorded, is, is electronic. I think it's really influenced... Um, you know, music and just current styles uh, is very much soft-based electronic music. Well, I believe because it can be created at home on a laptop. <laughs> and if you are um, good with software and if you are creative anyway, then you can do really cool things. Um, I'm very much based in acoustic music, so, you know, for, for recording my album, I, I did go to a studio and every line was played. There was nothing synthesized. So that still has a cost. Um, so, like, if I talk to students or anybody embarking on a career in music, I, like, it, maybe it seems obvious, but the first thing to say is that you must... <laughs> there is no other reason you cannot harbour any ambitions to for wealth. And even, you know, in the golden days in the 60s, I think, you know, musicians have a history of being screwed over. I mean, of course, there are exceptions to this. The ones, I, there are plenty out there that were street smart or had good management um, and managed to retain uh, the the wealth that they earned Um and I do think there's still money. <laughs> there is still money washing around in music. It just doesn't reach the artists. Mm. So, so the bottom line is that, that um, you have to love creating and playing music um, for n uh, with n no no other agenda. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, and, and, and it's great to hear because it has to come from the heart and has to come, and, and it shows, you know, when it comes from the heart. I was uh, just before we came on, I was uh, 
watching you and listening uh, to the cover version you did a lullaby of uh, the cure in the sugar club which is a fantastic uh, and there's a few of you on stage uh, i'm not sure a couple of years ago but it's a uh, well the cure yeah with the it's fantastic you know and i know you know i know most of your music but uh so it does show. So tell me about it. Talking about music, tell me about one piece of music that you like me to play on this, um, if you pick the song. Yeah, I, so I picked you. Um, I, I could have, the, the, it could have been a hundred songs, but um, um, let's go with, I, I like Radiohead, no surprise. Okay. Why that song, Vivian? Radiohead were such a big part of their lives. Um they were so huge and undeservedly so. I mean, you know, I, I loved that band and they weren't, um, it wasn't shiny pop. <laughs> it wasn't ever shiny pop, but it was, it was more disaffected youth, I think. But I think it, it still comes down to their music was just so, so great. And like the arc of their melodies and uh, and their their songwriting was so great, like um, really consistently. So I think maybe that's what makes a great band is just um, consistently great albums. And of course that they morphed, they changed their style, and it was still. Every time it was still brilliant. But I think um, they really caught a generation and, and brought them along with that, uh, with their music. You mentioned about doing music for the for because you you love it and uh, but I, I was doing a bit of research. You started really early. Um, you you started when you were a baby when you started to play music. <laughs> <laughs> but and it fascinates me. I used to I, I, I always loved music, but I, I used to walk past um, the uh, Dublin the Academy there and hear the music all the time and. From you know, and you see these kids coming out with violins and whatever. Tell me about your uh, just just that that bit of history coming going back to when you were quite small, and there must have been a huge amount of work had to put into. To, you were classically trained, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, I was wheeled along to music classes um, before I knew what I was doing. Um, you know. I guess maybe I differ from most songwriters who I think just usually around the age 13, they, they kind of thought, oh, this is really cool. But um, I've been going to lessons, um, piano lessons since I was eight. And then a few years later, I started cello. And so that was a, that was like a complete classical music immersion, which I, I think it really stayed in until I was until I left school. Um, I was such a nerd and I was really passionate about um, classical music, which is one way to alienate people in school. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I, I still am. You know, I, I love classical music just as much as I, I love other genres. So, uh, yeah, that was that was my background for... Um, I was for all of my teenage years and I played chamber music and I played with, in the youth orchestra and um, just went through all of that education and and I think I, I like I got the I got the best of it I was good enough to um, get the best from it, which is all of those opportunities of playing with orchestras and um, and chamber music groups. 
Damn. You went on to play with the National Symphony Orchestra, am I right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, and I'd love to know a bit more about that. I tell you what, is that when I, you're talking about alienating people when you're a teenager. When I was a teenager, I used to go to, the, to all the dress rehearsal in, in Rome. Um, somehow through the school, we got some tickets to go and watch the dress rehearsal in the National Symphony Orchestra beside the St. Peter's. And it was a ma- magical time, just all the, these amazing uh, pieces of music and uh, you're watching the orchestra and they would explain what they were doing. But what was it like, like in, the, in the symphony, what was it like being part of that? And again, I mean, I don't know, all you see is, is just perfection, perfection, perfection. But what's it like in behind the scene to be in the National Symphony Orchestra? Um, I think it's a... It's an incredible experience. I think um, the most maybe intense experience was actually playing with an orchestra as a teenager. And I can honestly think there's there's anything like it. It's um it's a really incredible feeling of being swept along with such a large group where everybody loves the music and you can really feel that and the excitement because it's, you know, there's a concert and it's, you know, it's new and and everybody's part is equally important and, and you really have to concentrate because it's nutty <laughs> and um, you can't switch off uh, and, you know, you're still at that because maybe because you you're not professional yet and that's what makes it so exciting um i think when i was in the orchestra i think if i'm honest you can see where people are hired and like everything else it becomes a job but i do believe that on come the concert that um they still love being a musician so um yeah i can just say that every minute's practice was worth those moments spent in the orchestra and um and again they're paid a really insulting amount for the work that they do but um you know that uh, again they must love it that's why they're there that's why they're still there <laughs> Uh, I, I thought somehow it was a, a well-paid position, but uh, I was obviously wrong. Um, no, I think most of them have to supplement their income with with teaching. And, you know, I think it's it's probably a tough time for them as well. It always seems to be on the cards whether the orchestra gets to continue or not. So that can't be a very secure <laughs> position to be in. If um, if that's your job, yeah. Um, you were kind of eventually sucked into the kind of the pop music as such. Uh, we, we ended up working with uh, Damien Rice um, for a while. But the one thing that really interested me, I was reading uh, on on your website, you you call it um, the highs and the volatile lows and uh, <laughs> and the loneliness. And again, how long were you playing with Damien? And um, and why why the loneliness? What tell me a bit more about that? Um, yeah, we were playing together for a really long time, sort of just just before the turn of the century. We started working on O, and then it was re- that album was released in two thousand and two, and then it was like a a very steady build of um, of his popularity and, and his fan base so uh, things got busier and busier and we started to tour and um, yeah I sometimes I feel like I don't know if it was the Spice Girls or one of those groups who said we were a group of people that were put together <laughs> and um, whether we would have naturally been drawn to each other in other circumstances I, I don't know but um yeah the i mean we were so lucky uh, we had really great audiences and really adoring fans and 
you know, I was really lucky to experience that and to and to tour and and to know what that's like. But um, yeah, you're going round and you're traveling every day, and uh, like uh, I think it, it's just not the same going sightseeing by yourself <laughs> <laughs> than it is, and then uh, and then you race back for sound check and and do the gig and um yeah i've met some great people on it as well but i think probably every band witnesses volatile lows <laughs> but uh yeah i i can say that i witnessed those two <laughs> fair enough tell me about your second song vivian please um well could i do a classical piece Absolutely, you can do whatever you like. Um, this one is by a composer. Um, I think he's Estonian, and his name is Arvo Pert. And um, so the piece is called Spiegel im Spiegel, and it's just this kind of, on the surface, really simple piece of music with um, piano accompaniment, these really simple triad chords and then a very sustained string line. It's usually played by violin, but you know, it can translate really well with, for, piano, for cello or any stringed instrument, or I'm sure it's been played in other instruments too. It's, such, it's a, quite a popular piece in the contemporary music, uh, classical music. So um, I just can't think of a, a more serene, uh, delicate, um, calm, plaintive and yet hopeful piece of music. Uh, maybe I need to get out more, but... <laughs> <laughs> When I, again, I was reading through, and I just uh, what I love about uh, what you do, Vivian, is, is a number of things. Apart from being obviously very talented, but you you do have um, uh, you seem to have explored a lot of different things with music. And I just noticed there, I didn't know, but you you were playing with the uh, Newell Tunsu Sumbu, I should say, Roger Doyle. Newell is actually a good friend of mine. I didn't realize he, uh, he used to play football with Newell. He's a fantastic footballer as well as being an amazing <laughs> guitarist. <laughs> oh cool i didn't know that yeah no he's an amazing footballer he used to live here uh he used to live here i, don't, I haven't seen him for a while i don't know where he's moved to cork or where he's gone now but i think yeah he's moved to cork yeah, yeah i figured yeah because the last time i met him, he was telling me about uh, moving to cork and the, the cork jazz festival was a big thing for him he was doing a lot of that around there but so when you when you go in search of new things to do as such and i know there's a you know there's a commercial aspect of course you know you need to survive you need to make your money somehow whatever but when you're looking for new projects or new ideas what what, what a, like for example the the newell and roger the new triangle what, what was that why did you get into something like that and, and what, what what that gave you as a musician um, well, I guess at the time, um, a part of it was geography and that we all lived fairly close by. And um, I mean, it, it was such an unlikely group, really. Our, our, each of our music styles are so different to each other. Uh, so, But I think it worked. I mean, Noel is, is so really brilliant and... Um, can play anything and jump to any style and uh, and Roger is a electronic music composer so he has his style and then I was the um, cello player and songwriter <laughs> but um, we did a, a tour together and where we each collaborated you know we each played each other's music and I think it was it was a good one for the audience because you know, 
again, yeah, it was just so unlikely, and and yet, I think it worked. Um, you know, like you could drop Noel into <laughs> into any environment musically, and I'm sure he would he would come out with with something great. And um, and then, like I, I loved the pieces that uh, Roger chose for the tour. And um, yeah, so I, I was I was on a gig recently, actually. After a long time, I was on a gig with Noel. We we did a production of Patrick Kavanagh's The Great Hunger at Kilmainham. Oh wow! That was in October. Okay. Yeah, they managed to pull it off. All outdoor. So it was it was cold. <laughs> um, we're all playing outdoors. Um, it was um, I describe it was sort of stored like a Stations of the Cross. You know, the audience moved from from location to uh, lo uh, they, they had a little walk in between each stop, <laughs> and each stop was a verse and um, had some accompanying music. But it was it was a really good production. They did it so well. Um, so uh, that's where I encountered <laughs> Noel. We had a reunion, and uh, and lots of other musicians as well. So that was our con that was like the light had been switched on in lockdown for those ten days. Wow, that's brilliant. And then, of course, you do a lot of uh, of your own stuff. Like your your, your latest um, your latest single was a glass of laughter. Just around that time, around uh, you, you released it. Few weeks ago, and around the end of October, am I right? And you yeah. had a, a lifetime of high fives. That was yeah, your, your, your album, and and I know this is just. And I came across you before, and then during lockdown, I, I was asked to do this radio show, uh, music radio show, and I, I started to research more and more uh, Irish artists, and I, I played your songs a few times. Not for not a reason that I really liked them, and uh, but but then the whole thing came across. I came across this reports that Linda Coogan-Byrne put together that there was no uh, Irish female musicians on the charts. And and then this massive kind of warms open that there really there's, there's very little um, indigenous music played on, on Irish radios. Uh, you know, Fiechna is, is, is a good one. Fiechna always does. Fiechna Brennan, he always plays. is uh, a great champion of yeah. new artists. But how do you find, I mean, and I know what I noticed, and I think it's fabulous. Every time I play, I put the playlist out there. I get all this thank you, which is it's lovely. And I like to reply to everybody. So, yeah, no problem. But I would have thought it, it would be normal thing to do. But, but why do you think it's, I mean, it's just commercial radios? What, what's going on? Why did, why not enough? Yeah, it's funny. I was talking. Yeah. When I met Noel, we we mentioned that we were talking about that. He was saying in the Congo, it's a hundred percent Congolese music. <laughs> you know why are there special Irish shows? You know, the, oh, we'll have our Irish show tonight at one o'clock in the morning. I'm going to play Irish music. It'll be <laughs> so. He just laughs. He thinks it's really funny that you know it, we have to have a special Irish show. But I think it, as a nation. Ireland has always been very outward looking and always looked, I think, to other countries for direction. Mm. And um, and were hesitant to acknowledge anything Irish as cool. <laughs> I do believe that. So, But I, I think that's also changing in the last 20 years. I think that has changed. And I think there's much more of an appetite to hear Irish music because there's so much good stuff. Um, like Limerick is like the hotbed of, of of new Irish music, and and um, I think probably because it's become more multicultural and there's more collaboration. But I think the standard of um, popular music is really good in this country, and um, we don't have to have daytime radio of of international you know, R&B, pop, um, you know, we don't have to do that. I think listenership would still be good if we steadily increase the amount of Irish artists being played. I mean, I really accepted that, oh, okay, I, I will never hear a song of mine being played before 10, 10 p.m. And 
you know, I, I'm really glad that Linda put that report together. I think it somebody had to do it. <laughs> so I'm I'm really glad it was done and just okay, you know, when it's written down, like, because of course everybody knew for ages, like, I knew that, okay, I could have rattled off the first, the top five bands that were going to be played in the afternoon, if you were to hear an Irish band, this is who they would be. Mm. So I already knew that before the report, but I think it was really good that it was put in writing for all to see as as fact and then you know people can then just open their eyes think about it and um and, and try to rebalance so um yeah I, I think it's it has changed a little bit since that um, um report emerged and and i think yeah uh, women have a really strong presence in the irish music scene like compared to 20 years ago again it, like it was very much about singer songwriters, and every single one of them were male, and that's just how it was. The you know the top ten names, like you had to go down. You know, I think there were there were of course female singers on the circuit, but you know when it came time for a roll call, when it came to uh, an interview slot it was the same names that are always pulled out um but i think that has reversed and it, it i think you know female singers are getting the call now which is really good um i still don't ever hear my music before 10 o'clock <laughs> but um but who knows you know i think I, no, I did have one week. I had one week with Marty earlier in the year, and <laughs> and it was amazing. So many more people heard it because it was, it wasn't at midnight, you know, um, because it was in the morning and they were just not in bed <laughs> or not watching Netflix. So that one week really made such a huge um, difference for the rest of the year. But um, yeah, yeah. God bless. Afigna <laughs> and Andrea <laughs> and um, and there are plenty of others on um, you know Tom Dunn, Lyric FM, uh, Ellen Bernard Clark, this, I mean I could rattle, there's so many that are supporting Irish music, I would just love to push them into the afternoon. Yeah. Well, my little show is at 3.30 in the afternoon, but it's only one. one. So you've been played it many times at 3.30, and we'll do another one this week, next weekend. But <laughs> 3.30 on a Friday, but I'm only one small drop. Yes, <laughs> I made it. I made it. <laughs> I can you retire. Few, you made it a few times. But, uh, okay, tell me about your third song then, Previous Vivian, before um, I last. Um, let me see. Um, oh, I picked out Yoshimi. I, I did a cover of this okay. years ago. I, I loved playing it. Um, so that, um, yeah. Oh God, the the name of the band now is what are they called? <laughs> oh God, it's really embarrassing. Who wrote Ushimi? I know exactly who they are, but I can't think of it now. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we'll have to edit this. Andrea, will, please edit this. <laughs> Yoshimi, go carry on. I'll think of It'll, it. I have it. I, the guy's got grey hair. Flaming lips. Flaming lips. Flaming lips, that's um, it. So they have their official recording of this. They have the the version that is most well-known. But I, I heard, I had a CD of um, this show called Morning Becomes Eclectic. And I think we played on it. I think we're on the CD. But anyway, it's kind of stripped back versions of, of various songs. And I loved this version. It was just um, the lead singer on piano. And um, so... I borrowed it and uh, I, I loved playing it. It's a really simple song in C major and um, it's kind of, I guess it's good. I like it because it's a story. It's a story of Yoshimi. She's taking her vitamins. Um, she's going to work in the city. So you can see, you can see her going about her daily life and, you know, the chorus is that she's battling the robots. And of course, We've, we're all battling robots <laughs> and other things uh, every day. So you can really um, 
feel her story. Like she could be Bridget Jones, she could be um, any one of us just uh, trying to uh, get through life. So it's a kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek song, I think, and yet we can feel her struggle. She's a black belt in karate Working for the city She has to discipline her body Cause she knows that it's demanding You just say something there that really kind of struck me. You heard it, that your song on Marty Whelan's uh, In the Morning, it kind of made a difference almost for the year. I mean, is it that important? How important it is to have your music played on national radio? Uh, and what, what is that importance? Apart from obviously hearing your song, which is fantastic, but what else does it do? I mean, even commercially, but it, does, it, does it open up doors or what, what does it do? Um, oh, it's so important. I mean, I think it just, it vindicates what you do. Um, and it's, it means that you're visible, like in a way, I mean, there's, there's creating music for art's sake, but that circle is only complete if the music is heard. So, so y you can't underestimate its importance. And then, yeah, of course, I think there is a hierarchy of of you know the time of day that you're played uh, like i i'm jumping for joy no matter what time hmm. um and uh and i think we all are i think you can as you say you can see from you know the thank yous that come that come rolling in but um yeah it just like because we're not doing it for the money <laughs> then it's just a validation of what you do and it's like uh, you know it's funny you can like we all talk about like there's so much talk about food on the radio especially at this time of year and like from farm to fork <laughs> well I mean it's like it's like the music never gets eaten it never gets even smelt or tasted unless it's heard so it's completing that that cycle of of why it's in existence at all. Yeah. No, no, I get it. It's um, it is interesting. And the other thing that on that being heard, and and again, the last few days, there's been a few things about um, Spotify and, and like at the moment, at this time of the year, Spotify sends us all the the, the amount you know what songs you've been listening twenty twenty, bloody bloody blah. And I know the figures are somebody. Uh, somebody put a, a note saying, uh, "If it was another industry, this would be slave labor, slave labor, or you know yes. the way the way you basically get absolutely effectively get nothing from Spotify." Am I correct? Like that, that you really have to millions and millions before you see anything that is of any relevance. Uh, yeah. So I mean, what is the not that you? I mean, hopefully, you have a crystal ball. What is the future of uh, music? But I know Bandcamp are doing a great job, and seems to be anyway. But what, what, how do you see music being distributed for you guys, artists, um, in the future? What, what is the, the sustainable way to consume music for us all? Well, I don't think anything's going to change until musicians become a stronger lobby group. Mm. I think there are some people trying really hard and it's the nature of it that most of us are self-employed and working quietly away by themselves. So, so it's hard to unionize when that's the case. But I think just slowly, as awareness increases of what an unjust system is, I mean, I don't think any other industry would tolerate it. And musicians feel like they're damned if they do and damned if they don't if they're if you're not there you don't have that presence and if you're there well 
you're just um, bearing witness to the devaluation of of your work and and every independent artist's work. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I I I think maybe it just needs some really strong voice to emerge and. I would, I would love to say, everybody, <laughs> cancel your subscription today, and just put that money uh, into into Bandcamp or, you know, um, but like I, I I do get that you know the temptation is too great when you can have anything you want at your fingertips. Um, for that ten euros a month. But, um, you know, I, I think I, I always think it's interesting. It's ironic that you say, oh, well, people are now spending 120 euros a year, whereas on average before streaming, they would spend uh, maybe 40 or 50 euros on, on buying whatever, three albums. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that argument that, well, overall, people are spending more on music. But um, of course, so many don't realize that it, it just doesn't reach the artist. Yeah. And, uh, and I think it's a really, it's such a hard thing to reverse, you know, where culture becomes the wallpaper or it's just something that's there and expected. Um, but the excitement has been lost about a, like a, a new release or a new album, you know, because it's just there. But um, I really, I, I do hope it changes. And um, I like, I, I kind of, I, I, I am the broken record campaign as well. I kind of never miss a moment to inform my friends of um, that they really need to listen to my song. I think it was 300 times or something if I, if I want to get a cappuccino, <laughs> but, but uh, or maybe it was, I have to check it. Maybe it was 3000 times. Um, it's, it, it is crazy. And, and what, what my fear is, and uh, I spoke to Emma Langford on this podcast a few months back and, uh, and she had a point, she was saying, look, if you're a creative person, if that's what you do, it sometimes it doesn't fit, doesn't suit to go and work in an office to supplement your, you know, what you want to do. And, and unfortunately, some of you have to do that. You have to pay whatever you need to pay, whether it's a mortgage or rent or your new strings. And, and it doesn't always work that you, you have to get a job in, I don't know, as an administrator, whatever it is, it just doesn't fit your, your lifestyle and your, in your brain more so, more importantly, you know, you, you, you need to create. And, yes. uh, and that, that's what really kind of, that's what worries me. It worries me that the, that the likes of, uh, of Vivian won't be able to do music in the future because yeah, some kids sitting at home doing it on the computer for the laugh and, uh, and it's on Spotify. So, so be it, you know, move on. And, uh, you can listen to another song tomorrow and another one the day after and, and, and the, the joys of it uh, would be gone, you know, but hopefully uh, that's a very pessimistic view. Hopefully we'll, we'll go back to, to some nice uh, live gigs that will support you in a way, you know, because obviously live music and merchandise and all of that still, you know, ideally you still get some, something out of that. Right. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is that like there are some glimmers of hope like the the vinyl you know that that that's taken off and that people want to own vinyls again um that shows that i think people are interested in in everything that went with music before the artwork the sleeve notes the lyrics um but like I do think the general public would be convinced to um, spend their their subscription fees differently if if they were aware. Um, yeah, I mean it. Like for a musician now, you're expected to be your own PR, your own 
um, agent, your own booking agent, your own everything. So it's the most all-consuming job for the least return. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, like, I I have children as well, and you could say that well, being a mother is is the most <laughs> all-consuming job. So, um, you're expected to do all of this. You're just expected to be um, on social media and promoting, self-promoting constantly. So, um, and it, if you're not, then you're on the back foot. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so uh, yeah, kind of sometimes it feels like I'll, I'll never be on the front foot. <laughs> but um, but I, I think, you know, for that person who's able to create music in their bedroom using software and they can still make something really great and original and brilliant, um, then there is, that's sustainable, that is possible. But it will mean I think music is never going to go away, but it will just mean that different styles of music might start to disappear. So you'll be able to, like, there'll be a, you know, electronic EDM music will will survive, but maybe a music that is more expensive to produce or requires real instruments, real musicians, maybe that will start to disappear. Um, but I, I really hope not. I mean, you know, it's like you could, it's like a vanishing species. Um, they just disappear without our noticing. But it's really, um, you know, artistically, it's not going to do the world any favours if, if we are all just pushed into generating music that maybe begins to sound generated. Yeah, and hopefully, hopefully uh, things will turn for the, for the the right way because we all need proper music, uh, different types of music as opposed to proper music, different styles. So tell me about the, the book that you you would recommend me or recommend us. Okay, I won't keep you long in this one because <laughs> it's been so long since I read it that um, I, I can't say a whole lot about it, but hopefully you read it too and you can help me. Yeah, go on. <laughs> but... Um, I think I would love to read it again. It it really affected me deeply at the time. I read it so long ago, and I think maybe because it took, it was such a long book, like it was enormous that, you know, I can't stretch my hand out wide enough to describe how big this book was. <laughs> but it was called A Suitable Boy by Vikram Seth. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I, I really loved that story, and I think... I couldn't read anything for ages afterwards. I was really affected and and so sad that she didn't marry Kabir. <laughs> um, I, uh, yeah, that. I think that's life. You know, you, you just um, you want a Hollywood ending, and and we didn't get it. But um, yeah, it was a great book. Did you read it? I did. I was actually living in India at the time when it came out, so uh, I, I did read it, and uh, it was easier to read there because I was immersed in the in the Indian culture for a few years. So uh, oh. I can't remember all of it because, as you say, it was a gigantic book, and uh, I think I bought the cheap copy with the very small <laughs> what was more writing, <laughs> <So> <laughs> and I, I could still see it at the time, so I was able to read it. But uh, uh, yeah, no, it, it's a it's a great book. That's fabulous. So. Uh, Vivian, I don't know. It's it's been amazing. I mean, I could talk to you forever and ever. And unfortunately, we had a few glitches with technology. But there you go. We like to go back to analog and do this in in a coffee shop, or uh, that'd be fantastic. Just me, like in the old days, I used to show up with a microphone and sit across the table to somebody. And but who knows? Might do it one of these days when you release your new album. When is the new album coming out? Have you? New I'll, take, I'll take the vaccine to do that. <laughs> no, we won't get into the vaccine that'll take another couple of hours <laughs> but, uh, have you any new music coming out soon um, Anything I have, written? um i've started lots of songs that i'm getting a, a really good kick out of at the moment but um i just i need to finish them and i i think i will 
just maybe release them as singles or maybe an EP. Um, I think after recording the album, I think I prefer to work <laughs> from now on just as as single releases. Mm. Uh, I I think that's just a a more effective way of working. So. Um, yeah, I think I've one song. I I think it would make you smile. It's called "I Can't Wait to Be Old." <laughs> it does make you smile. It be old. There's so many songs going like "When We Were Young" and "So Great to Be Young." So I thought uh, we really need a, a song that just celebrates um, the other direction. Excellent. I'm looking forward to to hear that one as soon as it comes out let me know we'll give it a spin before 10 p.m <laughs> oh wow <laughs> <laughs> well, it's been long and it's been absolutely pressure and um hopefully we'll see you in real life at some point if you ever passing by let me know we'll, i would buy you a coffee in the when the world reopens oh thank you so much andrea and yeah again on on behalf of of everybody who who thanks you <laughs> um thanks again Mexican wave again Take pills at a rave again We'll sing out at church again We're festival merch and then We'll cheer for our favorite teams Not like we know what it all conversation with Vivian. This is one of her latest singles called A Glass of Laughter. Please support the artists by their music. 